0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table.
1: Today we continue with our third of four sermons in a series entitled "Footsteps of the Faithful." During these weeks, we're working together to consider what does God want from me in this life. We all know that we're supposed to live faithfully, but what exactly? does faithful living look like? What does it mean to walk in the footsteps of the faithful? As a way of exploring these key questions, we have been considering the stories of individual Christians, real life Christians, who undoubtedly asked those very same questions. Again, all four of these were ordinary people, just like you and me. Each of them found themselves In extraordinary circumstances and they responded to those circumstances in extraordinary ways. Their faith led them to make choices and because of their choices they each became an example for our living. So today our subject is Claire of Assisi and our theme in talking about Claire is the theme of her life, love in humble service. Now I know that when many of you hear the word Assisi, Claire is not the person who comes to mind, am I right? Most of us would not have heard of Claire of Assisi, but most of us will have heard of another famous resident of Assisi, one who is portrayed in countless works of art from paintings, to sculptures, to stained glass windows. No matter what the medium, he's almost always immediately recognizable, isn't he? I don't think I've ever seen a picture of this guy where he doesn't have a bird in his hand or one on his shoulder, am I right? He is, of course, Francis of Assisi or St. Francis, Francis of Assisi, who loved nature, who loved all of God's creatures. He considered the sun to be his brother and the moon his sister. He wouldn't kill a fly if it was eating his dinner. That's the Francis that most of us know. But guess what? He was so much more than that, too. Francis of Assisi was a reformer. A man with genuinely bold ideas that challenged the church and changed the church in dramatic ways. Francis was, to put it simply, an amazing Christian. And he has an amazing story too. As a young man, Francis lived a life of privilege and great wealth, but a year as a prisoner of war, utterly changed his perspective. It made him wonder about what really mattered in life. Ultimately, his faith led him to renounce his family's wealth and instead become a monk, a servant of the church, completely dedicated to serving the poor. Rather than being a successful merchant like his father, he would do all he could to provide for the needs of the destitute, the homeless, the helpless, the hopeless. But God had more in mind for Francis. According to the legend, one day Francis was walking in the countryside and he found himself outside the ruins of an old church, the church of San San Damiano. Curious or weary or whatever. We don't know. Francis went inside and rested for a moment. Perhaps he prayed But then something surprising happened suddenly Francis saw on the inside wall of the church the image of Jesus this image Jesus on a cross this cross that he would later reproduce But it wasn't just a static image, friends, like a slide projector shining on the wall like we see. Jesus was moving in this image, as were the other characters were moving. And even as Francis wondered what in the world was going on, Jesus looked at Francis and said, Francis, don't you see how my church is falling apart? rebuild my church? Well, Francis was understandably perplexed and confused by this message. As quickly as the vision started, it was over again Francis didn't get a chance to ask any follow-up questions He looked around the ruins of San Damiano, And he thought he knew what Jesus meant. Look at how this place is falling apart He started to formulate plans for how he could be faithful in obeying Jesus by raising money and getting materials and all that would be necessary to rebuild that church. What a huge task it would be. But then he realized something really important. Jesus didn't say rebuild this church. He said rebuild my church. Rebuild Christ's church, rebuild Christianity, suddenly a huge task became much bigger. Because the fact of the matter is that the Christian church of the time was in many ways a total disaster, an unbelievable mess that didn't look like anything that Jesus would want. Corruption had become an immense issue by the 13th century. The Christian church based in Rome was all about power and money and greed and treachery. The church and the state were blurred together with business and commerce. Church positions like bishop and cardinal were awarded according to business deals and could be bought and sold to the highest bidder. Even priests could buy appointments to parishes. That's what simony is, if you haven't heard that word before. And because they were doing it for the money, guess what? It didn't really matter anymore if priests were really serious about their faith. For many, it was beside the point. They had gone into church work for money, driven by greed, self-centeredness. Many men became priests as a business opportunity. Huh? Driven by a single question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Could there be an even greater contrast between what the church had become and what Francis of Assisi was dedicated to? I don't think so. Where the church had become about ego and pride, Francis was humble. Where the church was about greed and wealth and personal pleasure, Francis was about living in the same poverty as those he served, forsaking possessions and wealth as distractions that could keep him from serving as the example of Jesus teaches us. I love the prayer attributed to St. Francis. I don't know if he actually wrote it, but it beautifully exemplifies his attitude about life and how we treat others. Do you remember this prayer lord make me an instrument of thy peace where there's hatred let me sow love where there's injury pardon where there's doubt faith where there is despair hope where there is darkness light where there is sadness joy oh divine master he goes on grant that i may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. So this was the mission Jesus gave to Francis. Nothing to it, right? Just teach this church and this world of self-centered greed to forget everything that drives them in life currently and instead adopt a new attitude that says, quite simply, it's not about me? Well, that's how Francis understood what it is to be a follower of Jesus. To use Jesus' own words from Scripture... These are the two greatest commandments, friends. One, love God above all things, and two, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know how much you love you. Am I right? There isn't anything you wouldn't do for you. So do that for your neighbor. Forget about yourself. It's not about You. It's about Jesus and living in complete radical love. So, this is a map of Italy. We all recognize its distinctive boot shape. And right here in the middle, in the red circle, is where we can find Assisi. It's in the region of Umbria, just east of Tuscany. It's a gorgeous area. Has anybody been to Assisi? Yes. Have anybody been to Italy? I have to. (laughs) So this is Assisi today. In the foothills of Monte Sebastio. There in the distance, you see the mountain. Today, it's a city of churches, 13 churches. And you can see most prominent there, the Basilica of St. Francis. Anyway, it was in this very city of Assisi. In July of 1194, that Chiara Ofreduccio was born. She was 13 years younger than this guy, Francis of Assisi. They didn't know each other growing up or anything like that, but they did have a couple of key things in common. Chiara, or Claire in English, like Francis, was born to wealth. Her parents, Favarini Shifi and Ortolana Fiumi, were very wealthy business people they were, many generations deep, and with inheritance that went all the way back to the Roman Empire. Not surprisingly, Claire grew up in a large palace, a castle above Assisi on the slopes of that Monte Sebastio that I showed a minute ago. Claire had everything she needed in life, more than she needed, by all appearances, But guess what? Somehow her life was empty. Somehow her life seemed meaningless. She wondered, why am I rich when I've done nothing to earn it? Why are so many poor, ruinously poor, when they've done nothing to deserve that? One day, Claire heard about someone in Assisi who just might have answers to her questions. Francis was a powerful preacher, a passionate preacher, with a compelling message that struck at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. Claire started attending worship in secret, attracted to the revolutionary ideas that Francis had about life and about living in God's grace. Here was the truth she sought. This was the life she longed for, a life that mattered. On Palm Sunday, March 20th, 1212, Claire snuck away from her father's palace and proceeded to the chapel where Francis was again preaching. And there, in front of all who were gathered, She pledged her life to serving Christ by serving God's people. She was the first woman in the Christian church to take such a vow. And the Christian church would be changed as a result. As signs of her new life, some big things happened immediately. For one, the beautiful white rich girl gown that she wore to church that day was replaced by the brown robe of a Franciscan monk. In fact, if you go to the Basilica of Santa Chiara in in, uh, Assisi today, you can see what's purported to be that very same dress from 800 years ago on display. But she didn't just have a change of clothing though, she also had her beautiful hair cut short. Her hair is also displayed today in Assisi, in this silver and glass reliquary. Francis himself is said to have cut it, a profound renouncement of her former willingness to be valued according to her physical appearance rather than what was in her heart. Claire took her vows just as seriously as Francis had taken his. Soon other women were attracted by this message and lifestyle. Above all else, she had an absolute commitment to Christ and an absolute commitment to the life of poverty. She and her followers could keep their eyes on their mission when not distracted by possessions and obsessions. Of this world and their mission to live as Jesus did full of compassion for those in need to do what was ever necessary to ease the suffering of this world now I ask you can you imagine how much courage it took for Francis to stand up to the money and calcified power structures of the church now, can you imagine the courage it took for Claire to create her own religious order and request that that same church acknowledge and affirm it? She was a woman before her time, no question about it. But the powers of Rome gave in, and the order of poor ladies of San Damiano was established nearly 800 years ago, and what a radical group they were. They lived separate from the world, isolated from temptations. They devoted themselves to a life of prayer, praying many times a day for peace and for change in the world. They aligned themselves with the poor by living as poor people did. They wore no shoes. They slept on the ground. And since the poor couldn't afford to eat meat, They refused meat as well. Much of their time every day was spent in silence, hands busy in service, hearts busy in prayer. And in all things, they tried their best to live their motto, to show love in humble service to the poor. You know, in the very same way that you can identify St. Francis by the birds that surround him. You can always pick out Claire of Assisi in artwork by the monstrance, the Holy Communion-related vessel that she holds in her hand. She was hugely devoted to Holy Communion and the presence of Christ that it proclaims. She wanted Christ to be present through her work and that of her sister's. It was the single focus of her life. So after a long life of humble service, Claire died in Assisi, surrounded by her disciples and mourned by the whole church. In fact, it was only a couple years later that that Claire was declared to be Santa Chiara, Saint Claire, an acknowledgement of her incredible contribution to the Christian faith, It was only in the 1800s that her grave was rediscovered, and her skeleton was lovingly reconstructed with wax and paint and dressed and displayed to allow her to be viewed in the basilica that bears her name in Assisi. To many of us today, that would seem genuinely strange. Am I right? But it was a great honor in the 19th century but the love of the world for St. Clair can be found in lots and lots of ways and in lots and lots of places. From St. Clair, Michigan to Santa Clara or Santa Clara, California, to St. Clair County, Illinois. <laughs> there are countless schools, cities, rivers, mountains, and such that have been named. For this beloved follower of Jesus, as wonderful as all these honors may be, however, what she would have loved most of all is that eight centuries later, guess what? The order of poor ladies of San Damiano are still at work today. Even if the name is changed, worldwide the order is now known as simply the poor Clares. In fact, where my wife and I raised our sons in St. Cloud, Minnesota, there continues to be a convent of poor Clares, still praying, still serving, still doing all they can to walk in the footsteps of the faithful. Well, I want to leave you today with some questions to consider in the week uh, ahead. Points to ponder, if you will. First, Are there ways that our possessions or our lifestyle obstruct our ability to serve God by serving others? Just how obsessed are we with loving our neighbor, helping our neighbor, serving our neighbor versus how obsessed we are with stuff? Second, How are you working right now as an individual to support the poor? Whether you're doing lots or little, what more could I do for Jesus' sake? Third, how do we work as a congregation in support of the poor? Again, is there more that we could be doing? And finally, does Jesus call us to live lives that proclaim? It's not about me? I suspect so. Even though we may wonder, is it a reasonable expectation what Jesus asks of us? Let's be honest. Walking in the footsteps of the faithful is not an easy journey. It takes effort, friends, strength, perseverance, energy. Claire and Francis before her set incredibly high standards With their living. Just the same, as we remember Claire today, my prayer is that we are inspired by her life. I pray that we are inspired and moved to consider again how we too might show Christ's love through our own humble service. In Jesus' name.
0: The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.